So my name is Tim Heist. I'm the student ministry pastor here at Timberline, um, and I have the honor of working with the best team. I know I'm a little biased, um, but I really think I have the best team, the best volunteer team, the best staff. There is nothing like giving your life away with your best friends, and it's just an honor to serve. Um, my wife, I have to thank as well. She has been an incredible support to me. Student ministry is touch and go sometimes, and it's pretty pretty demanding. Um, but here's a picture of us in Crested Butte. We got to go up, and um, I was able to officiate a wedding of a, a dear friend, but thanks for that. This summer, TSM did a lot. We um, showed pictures on the way in. Timber kids, middle school, high school, and college all had different camps and events. And our goal was that we would invite students to come with us that our adult leader team could invest in. Not that we would just go and see who signs up and hopefully have a great camp, but that we would go and intentionally connect leaders, adults that love Jesus, um, with kids so they could grow in their faith. As I began to think about, okay, who am I going to invite to camp? Am I just going to invite the same crew that always comes, or am I going to reach out to some new students and invite them? I began to think about who is invested in my life. And I thought back to when I was 15, and there was a lady named Emily that would give me a ride to church. And I am very, very thankful for her. We lived about 30 minutes away from our church, and my parents obviously didn't want to drive me there all the time. So Emily lived near there and would pick me up. And I'm thankful that Emily didn't just see that as I got to give this kid, who probably stank because I played sports, um, a ride to church all the time, but as an opportunity. And she took that opportunity really, really seriously. And I remember on the way there, she would say, Tim, how was your week? Basic questions. Tim, what is school like right now? Tim, what does your connection to God look like? Tim, what's going on in youth group? What's going on here? What's going on there? And I'm really thankful for that time. You see, Emily understood that kids are kids, but they're also called by God to have deep, transforming, life-changing relationships with him and other people. As time went on, she invited me to help launch what we called an outreach team. And we would do things every single month where we would go and serve different people in our community. I was 15. We would sit down and plan these events and plan food and plan what are we going to do, who are we going to partner with. And I remember sitting in her living room, in my living room, thinking like, I'm too young to do this. I don't know what we're doing. Um, but Emily didn't see it that way. She saw it that I was a leader then. Soon after, she worked with my parents, and they surprised me for a Christmas present um, to go on a missions trip. And we went to London, England, and served the whole week. Um, with kids and sports camps and all different things. And on the way home, I remember like it was yesterday, this story. I was sitting in the uh, window seat. Emily was in the middle. And I was looking out the window at the clouds as they went by. It was one of those red-eye red, red eye flights so we could see the sun rise as we were landing. And she leaned over and she said, Tim, you are a leader now, not later. And no matter what you do, no matter where you go, take people with you. Wow. Take people with you. That has stuck with me. It stuck with me this whole time. And throughout my life, I've put a carabiner um, on a water bottle, on a keychain, on something to remind me to click in and take people with you, me no matter where I go. So on our program this weekend, um, on the back, if you want to flip there, there's a carabiner at the bottom. There's a carabiner at the bottom. Um, and we have one up here. And what we want to do is think about a few things. One, that that carabiner is our life. And who are we clicking into? And we're going to pause three different times throughout this morning and write down some of these things. So the first one is this. At the very bottom, um, take a second and think about, okay, who has invested in me? Maybe it's in your faith. Maybe it's in your life. 
Perhaps it was a coach, a grandparent, um, someone that gave you a job, any of these things. Who invested in you that helped you get to where you are today? And we're going to write those straight on the bottom. So go ahead, think about that. Um, I'm going to write mine up here, and you can write yours as well. All right, I had a little head start, so I know you might keep writing. That's okay. For me, it's Bob Seal, Emily, Eric, a guidance counselor and coach I had, and then Foth. You guys all know Foth, who's been a great mentor um, in my life. Life lessons at 15, pretty amazing. This morning, we're going to look at a couple iconic sayings, one really, that Jesus had. And so much that we hear these all the time that we take them just really, really lightly. And we want to take time this morning to just kind of dive in on one. We hear things Jesus said, like a cup of cold water given in his name, or I am always with you, or love one another like I have loved you, or if you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. Iconic things that we just jump past really, really quick. I'm thankful also for my parents, my dad that invested in my life. And my dad had crazy iconic sayings. Yours, anyone else have a dad that had just ridiculous sayings? Yeah, a couple hands out there. Um, So I decided I'm going to share a few with you. Um, The first one is classic, you can't have your cake and eat it which to me is quite frustrating because I enjoy cake. Um, Number two, you made your bed, now sleep in it. Another classic, it's my way or the highway. If you're going to live under my roof, these things. My ultimate favorite, I'm not heating the entire entire neighborhood. Close the door, right? Um, Or the all similar, which has stuck to this day. I'm not lighting the entire universe, turn off your lights. Yeah, and then my ultimate favorite, in reference to our cable bill. I pay more to bring trash into this house than to take it out in reference to the trash bill. Yeah, wonderful. Iconic sayings. Jesus had them. Our parents had them. We all have them. And today we're going to look at a passage, um, and we're going to go a little deep. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, it's student weekend. Shouldn't we just have music that's not quite as good, and it should be a little too loud and too much energy, and a passage that's a little off? But I want to tell you this. We take students really, really seriously here at Timberline. And we believe, just like Emily believed in me, that they're not leaders tomorrow, but they're leaders today. So for all of us, if this is a first time you've ever been in church, welcome. Our goal is that this is kind of like a living room, a place we can just relax and see what God would have for us and be open-handed and see what he would want to do. If you've been here a thousand times, I'd like to invite you to do that as well. Maybe this weekend is a reminder to keep on doing what God has asked us to do. Or maybe it's a reminder or a nudge to make some deep changes in your life. Well, at this time, Kaylee Hilliard, come on up, is going to come read our passage, Matthew 16, 21 through 28. She's a senior at Loveland High School. Come on up, Kaylee. All right. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? 
for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with the angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Awesome. Thank you. So we pick up this passage, excuse me, at a point in Jesus' life that we need to pause and look at. Right? We think about the world created by God. Adam and Eve are in it. It's perfect. There's no sin. Sin enters the world. Brokenness enters. And we have this pattern in our lives and in our hearts that we're all set up, broken, separated from God. Right? As time goes on, Jesus, or God interacts with his people, Jesus enters the scene. And Jesus is sent to come and heal and reconnect us back to the Father. To take that brokenness and make it whole and to give us life and hope in him. This mission piece that Jesus came is heavy. He's in a culture that is heating up through his ministry. There is opposition to him coming in from the Jewish religious leaders and increasing political threats. There is tension in the air about how will all this end. The disciples were waiting to see what would happen. Well, we know how it ends. Before Jesus lays down his life and takes his death so that we can have life, he begins to show the disciples who he is. In Matthew 13, we see he's a prophet. In 14, a healer. In Matthew 15, the true teacher of God's word. And then in 16, the part that was just read, we see how this whole thing is gonna end. He moves his focus from Galilee, who am I, to Jerusalem, who are you and what I'm going to do? It's powerful, power, powerful stuff. That his mission, he came to connect us back to the Father. Peter, infamous Peter, enters the story. And he does not like what he's hearing, right? So Jesus sets up this whole thing. Hey, here's what's going to happen. Okay, we also have to remember five verses earlier, Peter is called the rock, right? So we have a story. Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter steps out and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the risen God. And Jesus says, you're right, you get it, you're a rock, and the church will be built upon that. Five verses later, we pick this up. And Jesus says, hey, this is what's going to happen. Peter says, not today, not in my watch. Jesus calls him Satan. Get behind me, you stumbling block. He goes from a rock to a useless pebble. Okay, what is going on here? What is happening? Here's what's going on. There's a difference between us pointing to Jesus and saying, you are the God, I will follow you in your way and what you have, versus saying, I like my ideas. I like my thoughts. Jesus, you need to come do it this way. Peter kind of missed it in this occasion. On the back of your programs, um, there's a few points. The first one is right here. Who is following who? Who is following who? Jesus says, get back in line, Peter. You follow me not me following you. You look to me for your decisions, your future, your life. Don't do what sounds good to you, and then tell me to do that. Studying this passage rocked me a little bit, right? So in my life, it's so easy for me to say, God, I want this to happen. I want this job and this life and this house and this family and this outcome to this conflict I'm in. Jesus, please, please, please do that. But it's a very different thing than if I say, I'm going to look to you, and you set my ways. My thinking is your thinking, not my thinking. So I'm going to go back to the board. I'm a terrible artist. So terrible, I had to have somebody else draw that. Um, so I'm going to draw a circle that might look not bad. Not bad. Okay, so we're going to picture this is our life, and we have all these different things, right? So we have our family. That's an E. Hmm. 
family, right? And we have friends, and we have work, um, and we have, um, what else do we have? We have food. I like to eat. Going back to cake, right? And we have church in Jesus. And we have spelling, which is tough. Right? We have church, um, and we'll say health over here because we ate too much cake. Okay. Um, and we have all these pieces of our life. And what tends to happen, if you're anything like me, what tends to happen is church becomes a sliver, a moment in my week. My connection with God becomes a moment in my week instead of a movement in my life. And I see myself in this connection with Peter, where he is saying, hey, I have all these things, Jesus. I have all these ideas, all these plans. I want you to come be at peace. I'm inviting you to come be at peace, but don't take care of everything because I want to do it the way I'm thinking I want to do it, not the way you're thinking we should do this. Jesus pushes back, and I think we have a picture where Jesus is more of a foundation of our lives that we build these other things on, right? And our life begins founded and focused and built up upon him, his idea, his ways. Not that everything in our life is this religious occurrence, because it probably isn't, but they are all connected. But Jesus and who he is, his thinking becomes a movement in our lives versus a moment in our week, a chunk of what we do. I'm thankful that we see that Jesus is willing to step in and instruct Peter. I'm also thankful that when Peter makes the wrong call, Jesus picks him up, encourages, corrects, and tells him to get on the way of following him. Okay, we have to pause. We have to think about this carabiner a little bit. So if this thing is our life, the people that have invested in us are a piece I would argue that the first thing we need to do is to click into who Jesus is. That it's not my ideas, my thinking, and Jesus come be a peace, but it's his ideas, his thinking, his ways first. So what we're going to do is on the right side of that carabiner there at the bottom, whatever language you want to use. For me, I'm going to use Jesus and my connection with him, right? So I'm connected and I'm locked in with him first. I'm connected to the people that have invested in me, and then we'll do one more. So take a second, write whatever that connection looks like. For you, it might be Father, it might be God, it might be Jesus. Whatever language you want to use to say, to illustrate, I'm connected to who he is. So what does it mean to follow? Excuse me. On the back, you will find the second point. Jesus sets up a really clear order. He says, Peter, if you want to get it right, Peter, if you want to follow me and not do your own thing and just ask me to be a part of some of it, you need to do these three things. The first one, you need to deny self. Jesus invites us to deny self. Everyone's favorite thing to do. <laughs> Put myself second. Um, but what is Jesus actually saying here? Okay, it's a negative command to deny. It's actually the same word used when Peter denied Jesus later in Matthew. Here's what it means. To utterly disown, refuse to acknowledge, to be fully against. Okay. So I need to be fully against myself so I can be fully for God. Well, what does that all mean? What does it break down? Jesus is saying that within us, each of us has the capacity and ongoing nature of brokenness and sin. Remember, we're broken, we're separated, we are missing that connection to the Father. No one needs to encourage me to mess up or do things that separate me from God more. No one needs to, I'm sorry, no one needs to help me invite Jesus into my stuff. Hey, I'm going to do it this way. Jesus, please fix this because I did it wrong. Versus I'm going to follow him. 
Remember the entire setup to this passage. Jesus stepping into a broken world to help reconnect people that have been separated from God. So what he is saying is that each person needs to deny that inner self, that sin nature, that pride that tells me that I am more important. My plans, thinking that they are better than his plans. I'm thankful that Jesus is not saying, hey, forget who I've created you to be. He's not saying, hey, I've created you with this personality and this skill set and this talent. He's saying, use that, but deny that brokenness, that sin, that saying that those things are more important than following me. That my end goal is not to please myself. It's not to be better than someone else. But my end goal is to look to him and what he is saying. The good news is that the story doesn't end here. We're asked to do this on our own. We're not asked to do this on their own. And we're not asked to just stop behaving in a certain way. But Jesus steps in and shows us what to do. Number two, or three at this point, I'm sorry. Jesus invites us to take up our cross. Jesus invites us to take up our cross. Okay, for us, we often think of this as a really negative thing, right? This is my cross to bear. I have to go through this. I put myself in this, so now I got to carry it. But Jesus is actually saying something completely different. In that day, they would have saw the Roman government killing people constantly, executing them on the cross. So the disciples got, okay, if I follow you, there's probably some cost to this thing. It's not cheap. But the disciples also heard and understood that when I deny self and who I am and pick up who you are in your cross, it's going to work out. You see, they got that when I gave up my plans and follow your plans, it's the right way to follow. It's the right steps to take. What Jesus is actually saying is one must die to their own will and take up the will of God. So it's not this is a terrible thing we have to carry. It is, I have life, and I have hope, and I'm reconnected to the Father, and I'm given purpose with my life when I take up his cross. Death to me, life in him. Are there hard days as a follower? Yeah, of course. Things we don't like, we have to do. Extreme cost to following Jesus, but there is hope. The Apostle Paul felt this stronger than anyone when he said in Romans 14, if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Man, that's some serious stuff. That's some serious stuff. The last point, Jesus invites us to follow and keep following. Jesus invites us to follow and keep following. We see a thing in our culture right now with this word follow, right? Social media, think Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever you use. If you use um, social media, we use this word follow. Last week, I was out to breakfast. I get to coach a soccer team at Fort Collins High School. Love it. And we went out to breakfast. There were uh, four coaches, 17 players. The coaches, we were sitting there, ironically, on our phones, talking about this, the season and the team. Um, and we looked across to all the players who were following our wonderful lead and example, and 16 of the 17 of them were also on their phones. And my first thought was, gosh, that's terrible. Like, we're out to breakfast, and you guys are all sitting on your phones. And I come to find out most of them are actually texting each other, which doesn't make any sense to me because you're sitting there. Um, but they're texting each other and all their friends that aren't there. And I began to think about this word follow. And in social media, what we see is it's one way. Right? I'm going to follow the Denver Broncos, and I'm going to hear everything about Von Miller and our season coming up and what happened last night and this and this and this. But the Denver Broncos do not care about Tim Heist or what's going on in my life. They don't follow me back. right? So it's one way. 
But what I'm thankful for is that Jesus in following him is not one way. It's I'm going to follow and I'm going to keep following and that he is going to be engaged and connected to me. He's saying, follow me, deny your self-made plans, take on my plans, and let's do life together. It is a movement in our lives that puts this entire passage into action and practice. So what does it mean to follow? How do we do this? It means to get the order right, to look to Jesus first in his ways, not my own. It means to base my relationships, decisions, and everything upon his wisdom, not my thinking. It's an active, loyal obedience to him. It means to give life away, that we are not fully our own, but we were bought and paid for with the death of Christ, and I need to give that to others. My mentor, Emily, got this. Tim, it's not about you. Take people with you. The challenge today for us um, is getting bored in our faith of seeing all these things, and you're like, yeah, I get that. I hear that. It's, I'm not wise. I'm going to follow God's way. But what happens is we see this over and over and over again, and we become stuck and stagnant and bored in our faith. I think of King David who got bored with war, stayed home, made poor decisions that altered the outcome of his life. When we have no one investing in us, when we're not a part of other Christians, and when we're not investing, giving our life away to others, it's a very dangerous place. I'm thankful that this summer our students kind of began to see this. We invited so many of them to go and give their life away. And when they did, they realized, hey, when I serve, my faith changes. My faith comes alive. Let's hear it from them. When working with these kids this summer at RFK, I was able to experience some really good memories with my close peers, which really brought us together. Not only did I build a stronger relationship with God, but I felt the kids did, and I was happy to contribute to that. So serving this year has really helped show me all the love that Jesus has for everyone, like even in the darkest places. And it's really helped me to just solidify my faith and give me an outlet to share with others. When I began serving middle school girls, my faith became more than something I just did on Sundays, and it became a part of who I am. Serving at Timberline Windsor has just opened up a family atmosphere where I've gotten to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ uh, through community. When I served at RFK, my faith with the Lord grew so much stronger because I was able to see his love through all the kids and watch them grow in their faith. It just tore down all of the walls that I had built around God and made me realize that he's really there. Uh, through serving, God has showed me that even in the darkest situations, he can bring the light out of it and that he always has a plan for our life. My faith changed so I could view people the way God views people. <laughs> okay. When I served, I believe it brought me closer to God by the friendships I had made and by getting to know other people who had strong relationships with God. I feel like my service at Timberkiss has really grown me as a Christian because I lead worship and it has, they have me do all the funky dance moves and stuff. Whenever I don't take myself as seriously, I can take God more seriously in my life. I started to know the difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus when I started to leave an FCA. My faith became my own and not my parents when I started serving through TSM. When I started serving at VBS last year, watching the kids grow in their faith really helped strengthen mine. My bad. Let's, let's start over. When I served, my faith grew as I was able to see how God shines his light through others and how he can shine his light through me to provide benefit to other people and especially those in need. Uh, I work in Timber Kids and my faith deepened in how 
uh, everyone is in a big community with God and everyone works together. Um, so serving through TSM Music has uh, really helped strengthen my faith because uh, I've been able to make new friends from other school groups that I, I wouldn't otherwise know. And then uh, also it's just a, it's a good excuse for me to play drums more. Students found that when they serve, their faith comes alive. I'd encourage all of us, if you feel stuck or stagnant, or my faith is just, man, it's just a part of my week, which is a good thing, but not a movement in my life, serve and give your life away. We have an area in the back called guest services, and they would love to connect with you and serve. If you want to serve with kids or middle school or high school students and just share life, we'd love to talk with you. So give life away. That last space on the carabiner. So on this side, it's who are you investing in? Who are you giving life away to? Maybe it's your employees. Maybe it's your staff. Maybe it's your family. Maybe there's someone that you live near or a student or whatever that you need to give life away. So take a minute and write those down. For me, it's Maddie, Snaves, Shay, and Rhodes. Those are my guys that I'm giving my life away to. So take a minute, fill those out. I'm really thankful for students that gave life away. I invited Maddie, he's up there, on a camp this last summer. Never been on a serving camp like this before. And Maddie went um, on this camp. The first night, um, we did a thing called Night Watch. And these are with foster and adoptive kids. First night of camp, they're awake, they're excited. Um, and we go in and just read stories and help them calm down and go to sleep. Maddie walks in this room, and the camper goes, Maddie, what do you do um, when you can't sleep? And he said, well, I count sheep. Or I, um, sometimes I just think about things I like to think about. Or sometimes I'll pray. Well, at this point, Maddie had not really prayed with a student like that before. Um, and the camper replies, um, well, Maddie, I don't know if you get it. In the last year, I've lost one of my parents. And it's really hard for me to sleep. See, the other part of the story is that this year, Maddie had a rough year as well. But he found hope and strength in who Jesus is and the people that are around him. Maddie lost his mom this year as well. And Maddie's in this room with a six-year-old boy who says, well, I don't know your situation, but I lost my mom this year too. And so we have a picture of a high school kid praying with a six-year-old, both who have been through extreme loss in a year, finding hope and strength in who Jesus is. Man, that's what it's about. That's why we follow Jesus. That's why we do these things and give our life away. Sometimes we need to pause and just say, what are we doing? What am I doing here? Where am I at in my faith? So we're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to have a song sung over us. And I want to invite you to pause and think, what am I doing? Maybe you need to take time and see who Jesus is for the first time. Like Peter, and say, you are the son of God. I need that connection. I need that healing in my life. Maybe you need to take time and say, man, I've really just invited Jesus into chunks of my life, not really following him in his ways. That I'm thinking my ways are better than his ways. And I need to begin to think and live my life that his ways are higher and stronger. Maybe you just need to begin to trust denying self and taking up his plan.